So a lot of people focus on this cash flow part that's there, but I'm focusing on what I call the net worth part. So most people focus on the numerator, I'm focusing on the denominator. So how can you make 100 grand and turn that into 200 grand? How can you turn 200 to 400, 400 into 600, 800, and so on, so on, and so on? And that's there. I call that the velocity of money. And that's what we're talking about here is the velocity of money. Money by itself only knows how to do one thing, and that's compound. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Property Developer Podcast. It's great to have you with me. I trust you are doing well. Given the short period since the last show, I don't really have any project updates for you. So I thought we would get straight into part two of my conversation with property developer Dave Bradley. If you haven't heard part one, make sure you go back to episode 21 and take a listen, because Dave shares some absolute golden advice on how to grow your developing business. And in this part, we dig deeper to unearth even more bullion about how you can take your business to the next level. Dave and I talk about the questions you need to ask if you want to scale your business, what holds people back from taking the next step, and his one tip for developers who aspire to greatness. So get your pen and paper out and get ready to take some notes. We pick up where we left off, with Dave sharing where he plans on taking his developing business. All right, so where do you see Dave Bradley taking his business then? (laughs) The plan is to kind of reduce your time. So where do I see myself taking the business? I zig and zag between scaling it up and, and scaling it scaling it down. Ultimately, though, you can't scale it down because then what are you going to do? So I st- I'm still relatively young. I, I still reckon I, I'm pretty good at this and I still actually enjoy I still, I still enjoy doing this. So you scale it up. It's a case of how far you scale up and to what extent you scale it up. And so there's no point just scaling up for the sake of scaling up. There's more of a controlled scaling up so I'm happy to work with people and, and try and help them uh, do that I actually get a lot out of helping people uh, do developments and, and, and better themselves I was with a lady uh, last week I said it's terrible doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> terrible I was with a, uh, a designer last week who happened to be <laughs> I was helping someone out last week it's a completely unrelated field and it came to me via a friend and said can you help me in my business and anyway, was doing something and, and said, what do you think? And I said, what you described to me sounds absolutely brilliant. I said, but tell me about the, com- which is what you wanted to hear about, the, the, my thoughts as a developer. Tell me, about the, tell me about the commercialities behind it. And I worked out real quickly, she was going to drop about a quarter of a million dollars. And she said, what do you think? And I said, that sounds like financial suicide, what, you, what you're contemplating. She goes, what would you do? And I said, anything but what you're doing right now. I said, do you mean to tell me you're going to, you're going to write a check out for like a large sum of money? She says, yeah. I said, well, I'd do anything to receive the large sum of money before I wrote it out. Like, why are you taking the punt on this when you, you know, so worked out who the clients were and so forth? I caught up with her on Friday and her exposure has gone from you know, 250000 to she's worked out how to get to $100,000 of the exposure and she's worked out how to get that $100,000 covered by pre-sales. Now, she's talking about a, a certain type of uh, uh, design thing that she's working on, which is beyond the scope of what we're talking about right now. And then she's also made it into an urn where she's going to get paid an annuity per click or per engagement or kind or something like that, where, she, she, A, she's helping the people out, and she's probably going to earn a passive income of probably 50 grand a year. I went, that, to me, was tremendously satisfying that you've just given a person a tweak 
to go, no, you're on, you're on your way. I remember seeing through, was it the, was it one of the, oh, the movies, The Firm, Tom Cruise? You know, and I remember, you know, I was, this is like 25 years ago, I don't know how long ago now, and I remember, you know, I've been on a first date with a girl, this this movie, and, uh, you know, Tom Cruise, as you remember the movie, he starts off in the first, well, still with the credits are coming on, he gets, he graduates from college and gets a $150,000 a year salary. I thought that was the end of the movie, I was happy to leave at that point, I thought it was a nice feel-good movie, and off he goes. I didn't realise there was a subplot behind it about corruption and whatever else that, that happened, so I actually get a bit out of helping people better themselves and you know I know a little bit about this and I can okay at running businesses and helping people run businesses so I actually enjoy that part of it uh, I'm currently working with a, a number of people and so you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a businessman I'm that's is what I do and I my parents have been critical of that in the past if Dave you think of every problem as a business solution I went well that's how I solve things isn't it business-like methodical way so you know, for people who are listening to this, I guess I'm available, albeit I don't advertise the fact I'm available. I let people come and find me, and I realise this is maybe where we're going down this road at the moment. So I currently do this with people, and I do this for a number of ways of helping people. Uh, so let's go back a step. Back when I was in, my, in former careers and I was on stage and I was with Steve and so forth, the, the market was all about educating people. And people would and you're trying to educate people to do stuff. And the, and the shortcoming was is that people ultimately they didn't want to get educated; they just want to get rich. There was a there was a, there was a disconnect between what you were giving people and what they actually wanted. And, I, and one of my frustrations right now is that there is still that disconnect where there are educators who are saying, "Buy my course or listen to my readings or whatever." Going, if you, you if you read this and learn it, you will become rich if you employ it. And people are going, "I've got the time for it, buddy." I just know I need to do something. So my typical people that I come across, or a typical person I come across, is a person who goes, I'm like you were 20 years ago. I'm in a job I don't like, or I don't see much future in. I don't want to do this for the next 50 years. I've got a family, or I'm going to have a family, and I want to get myself ahead financially, and I'm not going to do some help. It's the case. I know that I'm not a developer. I know that I'm not a full-time... I know I have my shortcomings, but I do have this, whether it's a, a small portion of money or it's a, it's, it's the case. So I, over the time, what I've... So over the last little while, what I've done is I've operated a two, two different systems, here, like, or two different programs to try and help people. The first one is where I take people on as being investors. Uh, typically, uh, yeah, some, some tough numbers... Uh, if a person comes to me with you know twenty thousand dollars, it's probably unlikely I can help them do anything. The, the, the t- sums of money we're talking about is such that it's not, not going to get you into a deal that I'm doing right now as as an investor. So the deals that I'm doing with investors right now, uh, typically you will need anywhere between four to five hundred thousand dollars minimum investment. Typically, I want you to have that as surplus cash rather than you're going to sell a family home, you're going to be living in a bus stop to support that because that's not what I want at all typically your income it might be a high paying job that you're you know you're you're middle management and you're going I I can't throw this away to do this but I know I need to do something you might actually have a a, a business and this is a surplus cash that you've generated from that business and I'll say what we'll we'll set up a syndicate as such I will typically become a syndicate member as well the syndicate members might be anywhere from uh, two, three, four, five keep them smallish uh, syndicates. I'll actually let you meet the other people because I think it's important if we're in this together, you know what's going on. I'll manage the projects and I'll take a project from start all the way till giving up the paychecks. There you go, there's your cheque, there's your capital back and there's your return on, on, your, on your capital. That's the first system that I operate. The second one is that of a, I call it a mentor program. 
Uh, this, I guess, is for people who want to be more active and more hands-on. Uh, I, I've, uh, I've the people I've worked with have achieved actually really great things on this. We structure it in remuneration wise that works for both parties. It's not a free service. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought an accountant would be giving, or a former accountant would be providing free services. Uh, it's interesting, Justin, because I'd love to, I'd love to give people a free service. But if I said it's free, then people go going, oh, oh, it's free. I definitely want it then. And so what you find is that people don't value it because it's free. That's exactly what happens. And it's, it's frustrating. I remember, so I remember back in the seminar days, being on stage with Stephen, you know, if we used to have the, the option, I think, or the offer, if people could leave, I think, up to that morning tea and then get their money back or wouldn't have to pay for it. And you knew, you knew the market was at a certain point when people were coming in and they go, excuse me, Dave? Oh, yes, mate. What time can I stay till and still get my money back? You know, I think you've got the wrong attitude to start with, to be honest. But hey, I, it's not my. You know, why don't you just leave now, mate? Like honestly, you, you, you sound like you're not really going through. You're not really invested in this. But hey, that's my opinion. But that, you know, that's what it is. So, unfortunately, you sort of have to charge people to, to make sure that they, the people actually value it. And to be fair, it's much, so I value it because I want to know that you're serious because. Well, the people I've worked with, you know, I've, I'll give you an example. So there are two two parties I'm currently working with. This is exclusive. I don't market. This is an exclusive thing where these people have knocked on my door and said, Dave, please, please help. <laughs> sure. I'm happy to listen to something. So the deal at the moment is they'll pay me a fee per month or a fee per year to essentially be there as the phone a friend is probably the way to, <laughs> is the way to do it. Uh, the, the beauty about being a mentor is that you get to ask more questions than you answer. Uh, and you get to challenge people. And so what it's come down to is if... So, and so there's a fee per month and there's, a, and there's also a share of your profit. I'm going to take I'm going to get paid out of what you do. So, so the theory being, if you earn a million dollars per year based on what I've given you the kick up the pants to do, then I'm sharing in that because you wouldn't have made it except for me. Now, if you're the type of person who goes, no, I'm not doing that, don't worry about it. You don't need me either. Then. If, you, if, you, if you're self-motivating enough to do it without my involvement, then save us both the time. Take me the time. Just go and do it. Don't need to come and sit in my office and ask you what day of the week it is. Just go and go crazy. But if you don't need that, then this, these, are, these are the terms. So how's it working out for the two guys in the program at the moment? They're both about uh, the end of the second year, about two years in. Uh, one of them has banked uh, their first profit check in that program of uh, it's about five hundred thousand dollars, and the second one, he's about to finish. His, he's got two projects going concurrently, and he'll probably walk away with about a million dollars. So, whatever they're paying, and they pay me a percentage of that, or out of that profit, they'll pay me something out of that. I think my take on that is, I think they're pretty happy with how things are going because I'm not taking the majority; they're taking the majority of them. I'm taking the little cut along the way of doing that. They're, uh, I think that you'd say they're pretty happy, not only with the financial outcome, but as far as what they've learned in order to get them to that. So I'm happy to work with people who want to get work with. Now, the downside, you've had a nice day for an hour, is, you know, I've got a bad streak to me because I can't tolerate uh, dickheads. I have a very low threshold. I just can't tolerate fools. So if you come in my office and you waste my time, I'll tell you that you wasted my time. Now, some people... Uh, this is when I have my bad days, if you like, when you go, well, why would I want to scale this thing up? Because why would I put myself out there? The more people that I meet, the more chances are that you're actually going to meet people who are going to waste your time. Can't you just tell me everything that you know right now 
well, I don't know what you know already, or you know, it's just I could tell you everything, but I could tell you the, the suburb I'm buying in right now. I could, tell, I could give you the house I just bought last week, but I can guarantee you that most people won't make a profit out of it because they'll have some shortcoming, which is why they're in the situation in the first place. So it becomes a frustrating exercise, and all I do, much to some people around me's discontent, is I just call people on it and say, What you just did was stupid, and I don't like it, and you're wasting my time, and you're wasting your own time. But we seem to operate in a society whereby, you know, we, we, we don't like to upset people or, you know, it's this mark where oh, it's okay or it'll be all right in the end or everyone will get a medal, I don't know, whatever type stuff. And I just disagree with that. And so, and I, I chat to my buddies, we talk about becoming grumpy old men, about going, well, we get to a certain age and you've had certain experiences. But I actually reckon it's okay to call people and go, I reckon that's wrong. So I respect your right to do stuff, but if you want to do stuff with me, I'm also open to change as well, but this is my rules for doing stuff, is how I go. So when people come for you for mentoring or consulting or whatever you want to describe it as, are there some... And if, I presume they want to do that because they want to take their business to the next level. Are there some sort of fundamental blocks that you would look to put in place for their business to enable them to do that? Yeah, Absolutely. The first question I'd ask you, and I'll ask you, ask you the people listening to this right now, is uh, do you have a clear direction of where it is that you want to be by a certain time frame? And so, there you go, we use you as an example. Are you happy to be a guinea pig, a little fairy rodent for a second? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, happy to have a live consultant. <laughs> so, where do you want to be in 12 months' time? Or do you have a, do you, sorry, do you have a vision of where you want to be in 12 months' time? Do you have a goal for 12 months' time? Uh, yes, in 12 months' time. A goal or two years? or yep. Yeah, okay. You don't have to tell me or the viewers what that is. And so... Do you need, so have you, have you written that down? Well, I actually just recently sat down and mapped out a 10-year plan okay. for where I'd like to get to. Yeah. So the first thing we do is work out where you want to be because there's no point me trying to take you anywhere unless you want to actually know where you want to be because if you don't tell me where you want to take, where you want me to help you take you, yeah. there's a very small chance that we actually may end up at the right place. We may do, but it's, we also, so let's, let's identify what it is that we actually want to get to. Now, let's for people playing along at home, most people say, I want to do my first development, I want to make 100000 But there's, there's some broad brush comments that get made, and they're all fine. There's no, I'm not going to say they're, they're wrong comments, because when you're getting started, they're all, I just want to have done one, I want to might have made some money, I want to be making making two. Or it might be you've, made, you've done a couple, you actually want to be able to do multiple at the one time. So then you'll go through and say, well, what, is that, what, need, what needs to happen to make that happen. So, you know, I was using you, for example. You said, I want to do two at once. So I'm going, well, clearly you can't keep doing 20 at a time. You need to do two tens. So what areas need to, you know, there's a discussion around that. So longer term, you start talking about finance and capital, deal location, what type of deals you want to do. Do you have any idea about the type of deals you want to do? Now, if you, if you want to sign up to be a mentor, all you want me to do is feed your deals. That's not what I do either. <laughs> So I believe you can find a deal any day of the week. You just got to be in the right mind, right frame of mind, and piece up in the right circle to be able to get deals sent to you every day of the week, so that you know what it is that you're actually looking for. Uh, do you really do you, do you know what type of deal you actually want to find? Now, if you just say I just want to find a deal with profit in it, then they want to deal with profit in it, but. 20 units in Moralbark is different to a land subdivision, is different to 10 hours. They're just different markets. They've all got their own profits. So I'm a big believer in the more you know exactly what it is that you want, the more chance you'll actually have uh, in finding that. If you've got no idea what it is that you want, then use a good chance that's exactly what you'll find. <laughs> Funny like that. 
And so is that with people... So when you talk about people knowing what they want, is that around, say, a turnover or a profit per year or it's up to them to determine uh, that more so? I, I come back to... I'll try and oversimplify it for people listening for myself too probably on that basis. Most people I've ever met in the seminar land and beyond have always wanted to have a certain amount of income per year. That's their passive income or there's their... So everyone's got a number that's there. I think Kerry Packer said that to uh, the Australian Cricket Board once. Gentlemen, what's your number? <laughs> everyone's got a number. What's yours? And so most people working right now or they've got a business, there's a number where they say, if someone got a cheque for that sum of money tomorrow, they'd walk away. They'd shut down the doors and go, I don't care whether it was $100 million or 50 There's a number where people go, that would do me. Whether that's a an income per year, per, per month, what have you, or it's just a straight out, this is the amount of money in your bank account. The first decision is, well, what's the number and what type of number? Is it we're talking about a per month, per week, per year income, or are we talking about amount of money that's a net worth, if you like, or amount of money in the bank? It's there. So most people I've ever met in Seminole Land have all wanted a passive income of 100 grand a year. There seems to be this number that 100 grand a year, if you got that from a rental stream, from an annuity or a royalty or something, that would make the world a happier place for most people, it seemed to be the case. I'm not casting any dispersions over that's right or wrong. That seems to have been a consistent theme over a large number of years is $100,000. Now, if a person had $100,000 as their net wealth, $100,000 in the bank, and they wanted to get that, they would have to earn 100% on that money repeatedly. Now, which is to basically $100,000 on $100,000 equals 100%. Now, my experience, I go, it's 100% return on their investments, it's doable, not, it, it's harder than if it was 10%, but it's not impossible to do. Uh, as to how good you'll go, it depend on a whole bunch of factors with markets and your abilities during markets and how much time you give it and so on and so forth. If you still had the same income goal of $100,000 a year, instead of having $100,000, you had $200,000, then you don't need to make 100% anymore. You now only need to make 50%. It's about twice as easy as 100% in, in the mathematics. It's there. So a lot of people focus on this cash flow part that's there, but I'm focusing on what I call the net worth part. So most people focus on the numerator, I'm focusing on the denominator. How can you turn a how can you make a hundred grand? So how can you make a hundred grand and turn that into two hundred grand? How can you turn two hundred, four hundred, four hundred into six hundred, eight hundred, so on, so on, and so on. And that's there. I've called that the velocity of money. And that's what we're talking about here is the velocity of money. Money by itself only only knows how to do one thing and that's compound. It's we as people seem to get involved in the process and stuff it up. We have a propensity to want to spend it on stuff and junk and other things like that. Kids will do that to you in some ways when you're out with them on a weekend. Uh, so all we have to do is be custodians of money and let the money grow by itself. And so what I do when I work with people is to say, if you've got $100,000, let's work out how we can get to that 100 how we can maximise that return into 200 and 300 and so on. And at a point in time, if you've got whatever that is, Let's call it $100 million. And then at that point in time, it doesn't matter what your return on investment is. You get, as long as it's not 100%, you're probably going to be okay. Life's, life's pretty good. So I've dealt with some investors. I've currently got investors that I'm working with right now. And they've started, in one case, with 650000 He's currently up to $1.5 million is his net worth in, that he has invested that's there. And so people have just kept growing that pool and growing that pool and growing that pool. I have the, the uh, ideal... In inverted comma situation where they're going, you're not stopping, are you, Dave? We want you to keep going because they know that, that what they're doing is actually making them money. And so when I talk about should I should I do this or should I not do this, there are people going, you actually should help people out here. And so, yeah, it becomes commercially attractive for me to do so. I'll make no bones about that. 
but it also helps people. I know it changes people's lives, what I've, what I've been able to do and what I've managed to do. So as I look back and I remember standing on Campbell train station going, I hate going to work and I'm going to wait for every train to go past until I get a seat on the train because I think I deserve a seat. So I'm going to be late to work because I want a seat because I just don't want to go to work today. So is this the work when your name was on the front door? Or <laughs> no, no, this is, this is the work when I was working in an accounting practice in town going when you basically had six minute six minute increments of your life were, were you know you, you sold your life in six minute increments I went no I think I deserve more than this for people listening to this I think you deserve more than this because you know, we've, we've joked about a few things but essentially you know you get one go around the board there's only you get one go to do this and so you know, what you the decisions that you make what you do make the decisions you make today you know will be carried out tomorrow you know, I've just come off the season of coaching my, my son's under nine soccer team and I was acutely aware that everything I ever said to them and everything I ever didn't say to them and just observed or said or didn't say was being observed by them and their parents that was teaching them was teaching them lessons. And so, you know, it was a case of how do you want to teach these guys, you know, that, that was there. So what I, what I taught them right now will get, hopefully get, they'll feel the positive effects of that for years to come, similarly in a property sense, that what is it you do right now, whether you do it with me or you do it with anybody else, decisions you make right now... Hopefully, will affect you in a positive way tomorrow, next week, next year, and so on. And so, most people don't get started on this business because of fear. It's not because of money at all. Because money by itself is is a concept. You know, if you want to invest money in a program, yeah, you need some money. <laughs> if you want to be a passive investor in one of my pro- one of my programs, you need some money to invest in that. Like it's just sort of what comes with the, with the territory. But if you want to be entrepreneurial and you want to be the developer and the go getter, you don't need money for that. You think you need money for that then that's a limitation that you have. There are people, enough people around who will back you with that and say, yeah, I like your, like, I like your vision, I'm prepared to back you for that. Now, that's my experience doing that, is people prepared to back you with that. When, that's, when that becomes your experience, I guess is, that's the beauty of the journey, I suppose. So it sounds like that's just a lot of... You, you challenge people on some of those preconceived ideas, limiting beliefs, and I guess they would be... Most absolutely, and most of the most of the problems that a person is striving to overcome is a problem that I've actually encountered myself. <laughs> so all I'm doing is looking back down the road a few steps and saying, "I've been there. I've already worn the path out for you. Just follow. It's fine." So, who do you admire then? Who's your inspiration for your property business or for your business in general? I was really fortunate when I started my accounting career. I worked for a firm that had some unbelievable clients. Uh, when I was, I think, 17, I met a client who was probably worth, I don't know, 50 million bucks, a property guy. Uh, his name was Murray. He passed away probably seven or eight years ago. And uh, when I was about 22, 23, he gave me what I call the chat about, I guess he was like a rich dad in, in that sense. He was a down-to-earth, uh, humble person who would just call a spade a spade and uh, he would just want to know about you, the person, as well about his, his, his own business. Incredible man, and I would catch up for coffee with him, just talking about stuff. And the deals he did were just unbelievable, uh, and he was just his feet firmly on the ground. Uh, um, um, and say, unfortunately, he passed away uh, seven or eight years ago. I still see his son. I still catch up for his, with his one of his sons uh, now. That was Maury's request before he died. He said, "Can you see my sons? Because I want to hear from someone other than the old man." Is doing stuff, so we've, I've become friends with his with his sons. 
and stuff, we, we catch up there. So he, he was, there's a lot of things now when I, I come across situations and I would ask myself, what would Murray do? How would Murray deal with this? And we're talking about, there are times when you, you don't know necessarily what's the most popular decision, you do what's the right decision. And that can sometimes be the wrong decision for you, but it's the right decision for doing that, how you want to treat people. So you do leave the legacy behind. So as much as I'm commercially focused, uh, the more developments that you do, there are more people who actually know about you, and there are more people that, uh, unfortunately, in some cases, will take a, take a shot at you and, and and bring you down a pick or two. So, not that you can be as you know white as driven snow or anything like that, but you can decide how you want to how you want to run the business and how you want to be seen by people. So, by doing the right thing by people, so as I say, your word becomes your bond. So, if you say I'm going to do something, then that is what I'm going to do, rather than trying to find some little clause in the contract to wheel your way to doing something. You do what's called the right thing. So, I'll give you an example. If I'm building a house or a townhouse that's there, I try and end up, I try and assume that my parents are the buyers. What would I do is the right thing by these buyers, assuming it was my parents buying this property. And so, you know, like not that I'm just going to roll over and do stuff, but if we said we would do something, then we would do, do that. Whether we're talking about the air conditioning or the floor, whatever it was, we would do that. So it's the right thing by people. So if you look forward 25 years, and we'll have your investors uh, hopefully... <laughs> Uh, hopefully you're still involved doing projects and you look back on your career what is it that you want to be known for wow 25 years uh, 25 years is a long time yeah, well, you'll be what 65 <laughs> <laughs> I told my kids I'm 26 <laughs> <laughs> double I'm 46 25 years firstly I hope I'm still alive that's the first thing uh, 25 years is, is a heck of a long time to look, at, look ahead uh, two years is a heck of a long time to look ahead I ask myself the question sometimes rather than looking 25 years ahead work 25 years back or five years back or three years back and so we talk about markets but, so you, it gets a bit, a bit scary in that sense uh, I think the first point of that is I, I say you know, I, you know I have enough money I should just retire tomorrow and people go what would you do I say I'll probably just retire and just do the property thing oh that's right I'm just, that's what I'm doing right now anyway so it's, I'm already doing what it is that I do what I do I don't consider as, as, as work you know, I, uh, I, the reason I got, one of the reasons I got into this business, one of the reasons I stay in this business is because if you show me another business that has the same degree of flexibility of time and, and hours, uh, degree of leverage, not only of money, but also expertise and other, other people's knowledge and wisdom, the amount of money that you can make by developing or, or you know, getting where the market is, is your friend, uh, is unbelievable. I can't, if there's another business that did exactly what it is, I would be there if you know making swimming pools was 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 it. I would be in the swimming pool business right now. There's a reason why I'm in this business. It is right now. So back when I was working in town, there was a uh, uh, it was probably one of the worst things the firm ever did. It was one of the best things they ever did for me because was that they they got in a, a consultant and he basically out and I've, this has stuck with me because it's now like twenty odd years later. And he said, if you were to write down your obituary. When you die, what would you want people to, to write about you? They go, people write down, you know, great guy and, and all this sort of stuff. And he goes, all right. If you were to die tomorrow, what would, they write, what would they write about you tomorrow? Oh, he's a hard worker, good family, like all these sort of stuff. He said, so the, the point of his exercise was to work out, well, if what you want is one thing and what you're doing is another thing, then, well, then what are you going to change? You're going to change in five years, 10 years, 20 years. In the case of the point, I think was you should start changing that was as good a time as any. So what it came to for me was one of the exercises and part of this was to write down what do you want people to write in your obituary. And I know what, what I want people to write in their obituary. I want them to write 
the world is a poorer place for Dave Bradley not being here because of all the people's lives he changed for the better whilst he was here. And that, whether that's in a property sense, it's in a coaching a soccer team sense, we're talking running marathon sense, anything that you do, whether you have an opportunity to meet someone, that you hopefully enrich someone in a certain way, that they would go, wow, I was, be- I was better off the experience of meeting that guy. And so we've looked forward, now looking backward. <laughs> if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self <laughs> and give them some advice, when would it be and what would that advice be? Oh, giving me advice, I could go back 20 years, I could go back 25 years, I could go back, you know, this time last week, <laughs> in that sense. Uh, my advice, Jim, and the, and the reason I say that is because the advice is pretty similar the whole way through, is the worst case scenario is never as bad as it seems. The only regrets I've got in, pro- in a property sense have never been anything I've bought, it's always been stuff that I didn't buy. So whether I'm trying to you know, bid for a property and I miss it by a thousand dollars or you know a building quiet, whatever that it was always it was always something I should, regret was always something I should have done, not something I did do. So I reckon I've had a, a bit of a crack in over my investing slash developing career, and my my advice to a younger me was, I reckon you can go harder, son. <laughs> At what age? Uh, as I say, 20, 25, 30, 35, yeah, you can always go harder. Okay, good. And you're an accountant, or a previous accountant? No, still still qualified, oh, st- yeah. st- still pay my uh, 600 bucks a year to the Institute. It was so hard to get the qualification, I actually can't bring myself to, to, to give it back. I still, uh, I still pay the money and I still go, I, I read them, they send a charter magazine out every month. And uh, for people who were reading this who were chartered accountants, they'll, they're, they're, they've merged with the, the Institute of Chartered Accountants in New Zealand. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happened in chartered accounting land. And I'm really critical of the fact that we seem to have said that merging with New Zealand chartered, Institute of Chartered Accountants seems to have been the, 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 the number one thing that we seem to have achieved. So there's all these other things that they could have done, but we've now merged with New Zealand. So I read this magazine every month. I read that GST was going up, then I realised no, the New Zealand GST was going up. <laughs> so every, every month I read this magazine and I, and I read it without fail to remind myself about what it could have been. And every month I, you know, I cross myself and thank the Lord that I'm not an accountant anymore and, and a practicing accountant because I went, it, it passed me by. And so do you still do your own tax returns? No, <laughs> no. Uh, I have an account. I'm really lucky. I had my, I sold my accounting practice to a really good friend of mine, who, a guy who became a really good friend of mine, a guy called Mark Unwin. And uh, I think he was a bit concerned at the time when he bought me. Oh, what's this guy selling his practice for? We became really good friends. Uh, Mark, I would trust with my life in, in, a, in a sense, and I would. Uh, and I, he does all all my stuff. I've had a go at doing my own basses, but you know they generally end in, in, in tears at some stage. So I find it's, it's easier just to let other people do it. So my question was going to be around whether you think a developing business can be valued and sold. Well, they have been in the past. They have been. The question is, on what basis have they been developed and sold or have they been sold? I think in a lot of cases they've been been sold on the basis of a team of people uh, that are there as well as the book of work that's that's involved so uh like any business if it's reliant on a person it's hard to put a valuation behind that but 
there's no reason. And you know, if you see what some people have bought in the marketplace, there's no reason to suggest that what you, you've got is that. It's not my, my business moving forward, I'm assuming that it's not going to get sold for anything. But I think if you, if you have a different perspective and you're setting up a business, then you should at least be setting up a system in place that you aren't the business so that you give it every chance of being sold as a going concern. Is that something you could do as a, a smaller developer, like a, you know, a lot of us are one-man bands, essentially? I guess you could. But the question will be, is, the, to, is the, the time and energies and efforts to invest in that, is it, is it really going to be worthwhile mm-hmm. for doing that? And who, who is your target market? So I think if you are a townhouse developer, I would say, like, theoretically, yes, it's going to be sold. Practically, no. no one's going to, I'm not going to buy your business off you. Unless you've, unless you've got all these projects that, the, the, that you have under contract, then I'm not buying your business, I'm buying your projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So I think you need a team of people. So you so you might become a larger land subdivision type organisation where there's a specific structure and a hierarchy and a, and a management system in place and that's what's being sold. And I think, to be fair, the businesses that have sold, the development businesses that have sold are the ones that have, have had, like, multi-million dollar pipelines mm-hmm. Of, of, of developments in place with a, with a team of people that are actually uh, empowered and, and trained and, and qualified to actually deliver those. All right. A question about stock holding. <laughs> Keep or sell? I, I reckon I could make a lot of money by just covering bets on people who say, Dave, how, ma- how many rental properties do you own? <laughs> Zero. I was going to say 135. <laughs> Is that 130? Zero. Couple of, couple of reasons that's the reason why first of all people go really I thought you had 130 properties I said yeah I try to trade those in and do a development <laughs> business that if you go and buy a piece of land for two and a half million dollars you've sort of got to you know if you write out a 10% deposit check you need $250,000 now I wish I could just say oh yeah I just got a little top drawer of $250,000 checks that I just pull out and cash there 250 grand is a lot of money like let's, let's make no bones about it. It's a lot of money. If you said I was going to give you fifty grand check because there was some magical bank or finance thing, that's fifty grand. Still a lot of money. Back in what I told, that was one year's worth of my life was was, was fifty grand. So was there. Uh, so what I found for me was that I could make when I looked at it uh, clinically and or cynically, which if I want to look at it. And if I was advising myself as the accountant, I went, so you're going to invest $250,000 into a rental property that's going to earn you whatever per year, zero in cash flow, say, or you know, whatever have whatever mechanism you're, you're establishing it by, or you can put in that development and you can make 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever percent that you're going to make. Well, as the accountant, he goes, well, it's pretty clear. If you're looking at increasing your denominator number, as you spoke about earlier, that you're going to want to put it in the development every single time. Now, because it's an active investment versus a passive investment. So ultimately, when you retire, you'll end up with a rental portfolio. But I think, and I've had various goes at this, through because banks have asked me to and so forth, you should keep some of this stuff. And I've kept it. And almost to my detriment, when they've gone, you owe us $10 million. Okay, yeah, it's on rental properties. They're worth 15 Yeah, but you owe us 10 yeah, but you told me to keep the ten, and so you've had this this different policy at a, at a bank. So from a, from a pure finance perspective, you can make a better rate of return. It, it's a pure, it's a poor use of your capital. And your development business, most we, I don't know if we've really spoke about this, but most businesses are under unfunded. Most developers are looking for always looking for more capital, and so the times I've had a rental business and a development business, I've always gone my rental business is capital intense, and my development business needs capital. 
So I spent all this time trying to find capital. I mean, well, there's all that money just sitting there. Just by disposing of those assets, I could actually solve my capital problem. And the third way is I actually reckon you, you require different sides of your brain to deal with them. So I had a situation with my rental agent when I had, you know, I had, I had a dozen units. And, and uh, she said she wanted to know whether, you know, a tenant had put something in the toilet or whatever was the typical property manager tenant discussions, property manager uh, landlord discussions. And I, she said, can we send a plumber around there for $50? Yes. In the meantime, I'm, I'm dealing with finance for a million dollars and a construction contract. And I, can we send them off 50, 50 bucks? Did she, did she just say 50? Of course, send someone around for 50 bucks. She goes, oh, Dave, you are you are the best landlord we've got. You just say, yeah. and I said, oh, why is that? Oh, Dave, you are the best landlord we've got. Why is that? Oh, you just say yes to everything. Well, that dawned on me and I went, that's probably not a really good landlord. <laughs> There's no, so there's no test in my mind about whether it's a good use of fifty dollars because the number is so small compared to the other numbers I've been dealing with over the course of that day. I went, no, this isn't good. You have the wrong mentality right now in your life to be a residential landlord. So I went, no. So I sold them all and invested in there. At a point in time, as I get closer to retirement and whatever that looks like, you will end up there is your annuity and there is a cash flow will come from these things. But right now, I don't need to be a landlord. Okay, that's good to know. So I'm guessing when people come to you for help to take their business to the next level, capital and finance is probably one of the key things that they want to cover. Do you have any advice for how you solve those problems? <laughs> it's not rob a bank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, not always, it's not always the number one. It, it, people will come from a diff, different, from different perspectives. One is, is, it's, uh, is, is capital and finance and that, the money part. Second one is I can't find a deal. Or I don't know what kind of deals I should do. And the third one is the fear of doing anything. So there's probably a, a few as the number ones, depending on where a person comes from. In relation to capital and finance, to me, it's really, really simple. If you do a development and you need a million dollars in what term is total development cost, then someone or some ones are going to pay a million dollars out for the land, for the builder, for the consultants, whatever is the case. The most obvious way you get money to start with is from the bank. It's called a first mortgage. They will typically lend you, let's say, 700000 of that, 70%. Whether you go to one of the big four, the second tiers, private lenders, whatever, the banks will give you a sum of money. And they'll have certain conditions attached to that. You've you probably covered it in previous podcasts with pre-sales and you know, virtual guarantees and all sorts of things that they have as their terms. The... the uh, the second part of that is someone's going to make up the shortfall. And typically, that is you as the person with capital. And that's typically where they get to is the person says, yeah, but I haven't, I've only got 300. You go, oh, well, what's your problem? There's 300, the bank's going to give you seven, and, and off you go. Yeah, but how do I do a second one? Or how do a third one? Like, first, the first part of that is just steady on. Let's get out of the first one before we worry about how you're going to take on the world. That's the first. Like, if your role was that you were only going to do one and stop, and the second one and stop, and the third one and stop, it's, it's okay. There's worse things that can happen if you were only going to make a certain amount of money per time. The, alongside that is, is, the, is the notion that a person may need to keep working to keep service, or to keep telling the banks they can service that loan. And so a lot of people struggle. They go, but I've seen the light on the other side. I can get out of work and I can make all this. And there's a, a disconnect there because they go, oh, man, this really, it's even harder now there's a theory we used to have or a slang we used to have in order to get the banks to say yes you need to take all the reasons away well the bank says no and so the bank if you want to make the bank to do something they don't want to do you're going to find it incredibly hard so to make the bank do what they want to do to answer their questions yes when they ask a question make sure that you're answering yes to that question 
But then we, so the bank's perspective, let's leave that to one side because their limitations. Typically, what I found, they'll say they'll lend it. They, first of all, they'll say, "Do you have a do you have a paycheck that we that we know that you can service this loan?" In my experience, uh, they, they, the second question they go, and if you don't, and this is the part they don't really tell you. If you don't, does the property service this loan by itself? And that's typically where they go. Yeah, it does. Oh, you know what you're doing? Yes. Tick, 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 and so forth. Because I don't have a paycheck that generates, that can service an income of $3 million loan, for example, just, just so we're clear. But the projects do. The, so then it comes to the capital and the capital management part. So I'm, I'm fastidious on cash flow, about knowing exactly how much money's in the bank and when the money's coming in and when the money's going out. What I've discovered over the period of time is that people are not as fastidious as I am as far as knowing when cash comes in and when cash comes out. I do my cash flows daily. I look at my cash balances daily to make sure what's going on. It's there, so there are no surprises. I update my spreadsheets when something happens, but at least every two weeks I would go and know what, want to know what's going on here. So it comes to the point then about if, you, if you're doing all those things and you're talking about the money, let's say you've got $300,000 and you go, but I just found another deal and I don't have $300,000, what do I do? And that's when you've got to find someone else who does have $300,000. And this is where the where people are looking for some magical solution Unfortunately, it doesn't exist. What should I offer them? So let's say me find this. So I found you, and I know you've got three hundred grand because I know you're finishing a development soon, and I'm guessing you're going to have some some cash on the hip, and you're looking to deploy it. So I go, I've got a deal for you, Justin. It's three hundred grand. You're going three hundred grand a deal, man. I mean, because I just know I'm going to do a deal. So we now have this discussion, but we're both at this. We're not really sure what to do because we don't know what the answer is. We just know we need, we need to do something, and so we're worried about getting it wrong. So what's wrong in this case? Let, they're wrong. Let's assume it's the right thing to do is to do the deal because we, we're the right person. If it's not the right thing to do, then the wrong, the right, the wrong thing to do is actually do the deal. And that sounds like complete gobbledygook, but anyway. That's another one of your, uh, your good and in-the-game yeah, analogies. Yeah. So if we say, if I need to do a deal, and I've found this deal, and it's a great little deal, and it's going to earn a bazillion little dollars or whatever else, and when all I need is 300000 and you've got that 300000 Now, if we don't get together and form an arrangement of some sorts, then what's going to happen? Well, you've still got three hundred grand in your back pocket that you can't do anything with, that you can't deploy, and I can't do anything with this deal because I can't actually write a check down to, to secure this deal. So I'm unhappy. You're presumably unhappy in the deal. What happens? Well, someone else goes and picks it up. That person's probably me because <laughs> I've solved, it, solved the problem. So it doesn't matter what the deal is. We can split the profit fifty-fifty. I can pay you an interest rate. I can, there's a whole bunch of things that I can do around that. So you get, then you talk about: is it equity? Is it a loan? Or is it a profit share? Is it a fixed? doesn't matter it's just it's just a, a detail it's a fairly important detail in energy but it's not a not a, a deal breaker about what actually happens next if that three hundred thousand dollar investment uh was going to make was going to make a hundred thousand dollar profit overall in the deal this would make it real simple numbers and how much of the hundred thousand should you get as the guy who puts up the 300 pound how much should i get as the deal now it can be anywhere from a hundred from zero to a hundred or a hundred to zero or nine and it, doesn't, and it doesn't really matter in that sense about how it actually works. Most people magically come to 50-50, but even that, you could argue, is flawed in, in, in some such way. What happened, What matters is that you actually have people who are prepared to back you and want to keep doing it. So the questions then come, when do you find these people? Now, by some law of the universe, the best time to find an investor is when you don't need an investor. <laughs> I don't know why that's the case. The reason, why, One of the reasons I'm appearing on this show right now is because I don't need investors. So I've gone, the best time to speak on the show to talk about investors is when you don't need them. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Who knows? Because some, something will happen tomorrow that I'll go, wow, I'm glad I did that. In the case. The best time for an investor to talk to a person potentially is when they know they haven't got money, but they know they've got money coming. 
if it if it makes sense. So what do you offer? Well, we can talk about. I'll, I'll talk about that at a different time, at a different junk, because we're going to run out of time real quick going through this this meetings of what actually is the case. My experience, I'll share with you, is my thought process, and I've always believed that if I go to bed tonight wondering uh, where am I going to get a million dollars from, there is someone else going to bed tonight on a different side of the city who's going, where am I going to find a home for my million bucks? And all I've got to do tomorrow is to find that person. Is how I've gone about it. As to the deal we strike. I trust that we'll actually figure that part out. Okay, so it's again, it's just a uh, limiting belief that you can't get access or you can't find that capital. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I wish there was a, big, a, a more answer, but yeah. The, the, and you'll have problems trying to find it because you might get the door slammed in your face a few times. You mean something you're going to do what with that? But there are people out there who'll go, yeah, okay, that doesn't sound too bad. So, for example... If you've got three hundred thousand dollars in a deal and you've borrowed seven hundred grand from the bank and you've got a deal with a million dollars that's going to return you whatever the numbers are, you can also give the person who gives you the three hundred for the second deal. You can also give them a slot, you know, uh, equity or security against the first deal if they if they so want, because that one's already in place. There's less risk in that deal. There's a few things that you practically can do, but you know, some questions maybe will be. So if you need three hundred thousand, so Justin, on what basis would you invest three hundred thousand dollars? I'll be and typically the only reason that you're not going to invest is you don't like me which is this is a potential uh, the security on offer is not worthwhile or the return on offer is not worthwhile or you don't believe my management of that process is, going to, is right yeah I always like to think of uh, when you get rejected it means you're one step closer to someone accepting or saying yes oh, it goes back to my teenage years I was the number one rejectee in the country I reckon <laughs> well, you're a numbers guy yeah, yeah that's it you know playing the odds that's it you know <laughs> you say to my chance <laughs> alright well we're getting towards the back end of the discussion here thanks for your have I answered any of your questions or have I just spoke <laughs> No, we've gone through them all. Excellent. It's been good. Well, it's just a conversation. You can see where it leads to. <laughs> so where can people find out more about you if they wanted to get in touch with you? Sure. I've got a website, uh, www.bradleypropertygroup.com.au, and my email address is really unoriginal, dave at bradleypropertygroup.com.au. Uh, if they want to get in contact with me, uh, they can email me. Uh, please don't ring me up because uh, you know you might get me on a bad day but send me an email in the first instance and ask me what it is that you actually want to do also bear in mind that uh, if, you, if you ask me the question can you tell me everything you know with nothing in return you may not get a reply or a reply that you're expecting being the case if you want to pitch an idea to me then I'm, I'm, I'm a businessman I'm, I'm all ears uh, for doing stuff uh, you might have you might just want to get in contact with me because you've listened to this recording and gone actually I've taken something out of that that was actually when you said Whatever I said that we thought was quite innocuous that actually might have struck a chord with someone, but let me know about it. I'd love to hear you know, some people's good feedback that they, you've actually got through to some people. Uh, I have this theory in life that you just say yes. It's one of my things I try and teach my kids because when you say yes, uh, good things happen. Now, having said that, my daughters are getting older, so I'm trying to not to say yes as much, but anyway, you get the point. You don't know where things go. Uh, so one of my reasons for saying for, for this was because I got asked, and you don't know where it goes. So I'm hoping that it, you know it gets paid back, and someone says, "Oh, you know, when I get paid a buck or two, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's sort of irrelevant." That someone goes, "I oh, listen to what you had to say," and I that struck a chord. Let me know about it. Send me an email and say, you know, thank you that, and it'll make me more likely to say yes again in the future.
Oh, I think that's a great idea for people to get in touch and let you know if they've got something yeah. out of it. I think that uh, would be great. All right. Well, one, have you got, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, but is there one final tip that you've got for developers out there that are looking to take their business to the next level? I think if, they're, if, they're, if a person is serious about taking their business to, to the next level, I think I'd encourage them to go and do it. If they're not, if it's just lip service as a way of justifying some other thing that's not going right in their lives, then just be honest with yourself and say, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm not looking to do that. If you're looking to do it, then I think the acronym of fear was false expectations appearing real. So what is it, what actually are you fearful of? Is it you're fearful of something that's actually going to go wrong, or is it just you're actually fearful of you might actually be right, you might actually have success in these things? If you take some one thing from me that I've gone through in the past is my greatest regrets of being not going hard enough. And so I would encourage you, especially if you're younger than me, even if you're older than me, is, is to go is to go as hard as it is as you actually want to go. Is that you know this business is an amazing business that you actually can achieve great things uh, far greater than I ever imagined could actually possible in, in, a, in, a sh- in a short space of time. That you know we could be having this discussion in six twelve months time, and it could be the shoe could be on the other foot because of what you've managed to learn in a twelve month period. That. Uh, it's not an experience in years business. You can get experience really quickly depending on some of the projects that you're in. So I'd encourage people just to give it a red-hot go because you never know where it ends up. All right. Well, that's an awesome place to finish. And Dave Bradley, thank you so much for being on the Property Developer Podcast. My pleasure. Time seems to have flown. I hope people have got something out of it. I've, uh, I've basically got some things out of it myself as I uh, reflect. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's been great. Really great conversation. I'm grateful for your time pleasure see you later bye-bye okay so that concludes the two-part conversation with property developer dave bradley i really enjoyed speaking with dave and i hope you picked up some ideas and tips for taking your developing to the next level it was awesome of dave to share so much of his time with me and i'd encourage you to reflect on some of the questions he posed here's the points from this week's conversation that most resonated with me one go as hard as you can As Dave said, you only get one go around the board, so make the most of it. If you set yourself some pretty lofty goals, you might surprise yourself by actually achieving them. Two, challenge your limiting beliefs. Most of what holds us back is our fears or limiting beliefs, but they are simply figments of our imagination. In developing for pretty much any situation, there's probably been someone who has already faced that challenge and overcome it. So if you are stuck thinking you can't deal with something, whether it's finding capital or sourcing investors, then you need to start asking yourself some different questions to help shift your mindset. Three, be clear about what you want and go after it. Dave talked about being clear on what you want to achieve so that you know exactly what you are seeking, whether that be the size of deals, number of dwellings per project, or return on investment. If you can articulate what you want to achieve, then you can set yourself a plan of how to get there. Okay, that's almost it for this episode. Thanks again for listening into the show. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Property Developer Podcast for my Property Developer Porn Picks and other developing videos. And I'm occasionally on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find all the previous episodes of the show at propertydeveloperpodcast.com where you can leave a comment uh, on this or any other episode. Okay, so that's it for today. Until next time, go as hard as you can with your developing. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. 
For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com. 